0: Thanks for tuning in to Mana, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. But we're going to move now to Ecclesiastes chapter 8. And we're continuing our series on the question, why... Am I here? And I'm hoping for many of you who have been following this series that you're actually able to answer this question. Well, Scripture doesn't leave us guessing. We're here to serve an awesome creator, to glorify him, to worship him, to love him and to love those around us. The more difficult questions still stand. So what happens when questions go unanswered? And the theme that we're going to be talking about in the area of questions going unanswered is the area of God's justice. Are things always fair? You know, at a very young age, our children will say things like this, that's not fair. It's not fair that I gotta do the dishes again tonight. It's just not fair. See, the question of whether things are fair or not are something that grip us as a people, and it also grips the heart of the teacher, you could say the one who's speaking to us in this book, and he has a heavy, a burden in his heart that says, I'm looking at life, and and I'm seeing things that just don't measure up. There are questions that I have that I can't answer. So here's some issues around the issues of justice and fairness from Ecclesiastes chapter 8, beginning at verse 8, but the focus will begin at verses 12 through 15. That's what I'm going to preach on, but let's just get a little bit more of the context here, beginning at verse 8, we read. As no one has power over the wind to contain it, so no one has power over the time of their death. As no one is discharged in time of war, so wickedness will not release those who practice it. All this I saw as I applied my mind to everything done under the sun. There is a time when a man lords it over others to his own hurt. Then too I saw the wicked buried. Those who used to come and go from the holy place and receive praise in the city where they did this. This too is meaningless. When the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, perhaps people's hearts are filled with schemes to do wrong. Although a wicked person who commits a hundred crimes, this is the focus now, commits a hundred crimes may live a long time, I know that it will go better for those who fear God. Yet because the wicked do not fear God, it will not go well with them, and their days will not lengthen like a shadow. There is something else meaningless that occurs on earth. The righteous who get what the wicked deserve and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve, this too I say is meaningless. Meaningless. So I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of their life God has given them under the sun. This is the word of the Lord. So I'm going to focus on this theme when questions go unanswered. And there's three things that we need to do when questions go unanswered. The first thing that we need to do is this. We need to actually learn to live with the tension. The second thing we need to do is still fear the one who has made us and enjoy his good gifts. There is tension here. It's like a tug of war. One side's gonna win. The fact is, is that this tension exists and here is the reason for this tension. On one side of this rope, you could say, we believe that there's a God who is just. Psalm 89 verse 14 says righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. We serve a just God. Revelation 5 verse 15 verse 3 says great and marvelous are your deeds Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways King of the nations. We confess in the Christian faith that we serve a just God. He is therefore just in all he does. In fact, he sets the standard of our justice. One of the reasons why children at a very young age can say this is not fair or this is fair is because they are made in his image. It's a God-induced reality that we live and understand a sense of justice already at a very young age. We serve a just God. Where's the tension? The tension is here. Let the wicked live like that and yet get to enjoy a long life on earth, often with many material blessings. While the righteous, those who love God, those who submit to his law, those who hate evil face death and a life of suffering, sometimes at a very early age, their life is taken from them. This is how he begins in verse 12, although a wicked person who commits a hundred crimes may live a long time. In verse 14, this is what he says, but there's something else meaningless that occurs on earth. The righteous who get what the wicked deserve and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve. Then he says, this too, I say, is meaningless. You see, the teacher here has a lot of anxiety in his heart. And this reality that the righteous get what the wicked deserve, the wicked get what the righteous deserve, creates such a tension point in his heart. Maybe a better word to define this right now is incomprehensible. The righteous get what the wicked deserve. Is God fair? And if God is fair, why do his rewards and punishments not justly distributed to both groups, rewarding the righteous and giving penalties to the wicked? Some of you know the songwriter Billy Joel. He wrote a song, Only the Good Die Young. He says in the song somewhere, I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. Then he moves into his chorus, you know that only the good die young. Is that true? Well, this much is true, loved ones. Loving God and keeping his commands does not automatically mean a life without suffering, a life without pain, a life without sorrow. There's tension in this life. You see, the teacher is touching a raw nerve here. And the raw nerve is this, that wickedness and injustice seems to flourish even under God's careful watch. While God's children suffer the blows of illness and early death, and God does not seem to intervene. Maybe that's exactly how you're feeling. You've committed your ways to God. You're seeking to live a holy life, and yet you just can't seem to get ahead. But maybe there's some dark comfort for you. In the fact that the teacher is putting his finger on something that has actually existed since the fall into sin. I'm going to share three brief stories with you this morning where the fact that someone who is living a righteous life has their life cut short, lives with great pain. Some of you know these stories from Cain and Abel, Naboth and King Ahab, and Jesus and Barabbas. Only the good die young, and Jesus is good, real good. If serving God does not guarantee a long life, if serving God only ends your life with suffering and pain and difficulty, is this not completely incomprehensible? And how do you live with that tension? Well, the first thing the teacher is trying to tell us is that you need to be prepared for that tension. He holds to the faith in the midst of that tension. You fear the one who has made you. See, the teacher is providing ultimately two options for us here, loved ones. And the two options are basically this you could throw in your lot with those who reject God. There's a reason why the teacher does not throw in his lot with those who reject God. No, he says in verse 12, he says these words I know that it will still go better with those who fear God. This is a living faith. You see, the teacher wants us to still have a proper view of God, even when there's unanswered questions in your life. For some of us, this means that we need to be stripped of the idea that God is some kind of genie in the sky. No, he is an awesome king. And his purposes far exceed our limited perspective. And it's still better that you fear him. Psalm 115, verse 2 and 3 says, Why do the nations say, where is their God? And the answer, you may not like it. Our God is in heaven and he does whatever pleases him. You can't pin him down to your small likes and wishes, even if they're real. He goes on, verse 13, yet because the wicked do not fear God, it will not go well with them and their days will be lengthened like a shadow. The teacher says, okay, listen, don't, don't be fooled now. Even for those who commit a 100 crimes, They're here today, and they're gone tomorrow. It's not wise and say, I'd rather laugh with the sinner and cry with the saints. That's not a simple fact. We read in Proverbs 15, verse 29, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. So the teacher says to you, it is better for those who fear the Lord. And I am asking you, do you agree with that statement? Was it better for Naboth? Was it better for Abel? But was it better ultimately for Jesus to do the will of his father and to be cut down in the prime of his life or not? Was it better for him? You see, he rose again. and ultimately was better for him because this was God's will for his life. But he rose again. And he's promised in Isaiah 53, verse 10, that he would see his offspring That's why he went through the cross, we read in Hebrews, with joy. Why? Because he would see his offspring. It was better because through his death he could defeat death. It was indeed better to serve the Lord and go to the cross. And you suddenly realize he has the ultimate answer ready for you. That not only is he a God of justice, he is also a God of mercy. His justice prevails, but his mercy drives it forward. The reality is that both Naboth and Abel and every other story in the Bible where someone is righteous and has their life cut short, the reality is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And that reality is that you still need mercy. That you need to be redeemed. That you need a savior. Abel needed a savior. And that's why he had these sacrifices. Naboth needed a savior. And you and I need a savior. It's better to fear the Lord. Because he is the one who provides a savior for our greatest need. That's God's mercy at work. And God's justice. Realized on the cross. Because there is life in his name. A life that we begin to enjoy in the here and now, but we'll fully and completely enjoy when he comes in glory. It's better to fear the Lord because he has a plan for your life that's ultimate, not penultimate, but ultimate. And we're going to close with this. We learn to live with attention. We learn to enjoy his good gifts. I want you to enjoy life. I want you to enjoy the food you eat, the drink that you have, and to enjoy the things that God has given you. I want you to enjoy life. I find it remarkable because he lived a thousand years before Christ. Where do he find such confidence to say, you know what, already now in the Old Testament, which is under the shadows, the saving work of Jesus, the resurrected life of Jesus is not known to them yet. How could he say, I still want you to enjoy life? And you can. Prior to the cross, they could enjoy their food and drink. Why? Here's why. Because he understood that God is in control. Enjoy these good gifts that I've given you. I'm in control. I have Tomorrow. I'm still going to be on my throne when you wake up tomorrow morning and have that bowl of cereal. But listen, this is not ultimate joy we're talking about. It's temporary joy. That's why you have addictions. That's why you have gluttony. That's why you have so much sexual impurity because you're taking God's good gifts and using them as ultimate joy. You become a slave to that joy. This is a limited enjoyment. But what the teacher is doing is pressing against the door of ultimate joy. There must be an answer to the questions we have in this world. There must be an ultimate joy that we can receive. If food and drink cannot bring us ultimate joy because it's limited under the sun, there must be an ultimate joy. And that door begins to crack open a little bit with Solomon. But it opens wide with Jesus. There is ultimate joy. The ultimate joy, loved ones is being totally satisfied in Jesus Christ. This joy is knowing that you have a friendship with Jesus even death can't break. Is knowing that one day you will sit with him at the greatest banquet table the universe has ever known. He is the answer ultimately to the unanswered questions we have in this life. Amen.